Check it out, y'all. Hey, welcome to Wishboning, all things Wishbone podcast. I'm your host, John Murphy. Uh, this is a unique episode. It's the PBS review sort of um, fundraising episode that we're doing, <laughs> um, kind of a mini episode in between. Um, this actually isn't any reflecting any particular episode in general. We're just going to talk about it. And with me always is my uh, co-host and the David and my Joe, uh, Mr. Christian Humes. We are ready to take your calls and your donations. <laughs> yes, just like PBS itself. Um, yeah, so I think you approached me to do an episode like this because I think we kind of, we've been doing this since September, I think. It's, I think that's when we started, right? We we started recording in this in September, um, like workshopping it, but I think the first episode came out uh, like the first week in November. Yeah, so but but we've been basically doing it for six to seven months now, um, in that sense. So I think that you know, so we've been a half year, and we've had I think we're we've released twelve episodes of Wishboning, and now we're kind of at the point where, um, you know, I think it was good to kind of reflect now a little bit back upon the sort of twelve episodes we've done. Yeah, and. Yeah, absolutely. Because like we got up to episode, I think eleven, and then I was like, "Hey, maybe we should do like a recap." You know? Yeah, be, yeah. Because I think the one thing that's unique about this show, I'll admit, it's a very it's a niche show. It's not necessarily something. And I've had actually people sort of tell me this is that it's it's sort of a weird show to just jump into. It is and surprisingly. I think at the beginning, that's not something I would have expected, though. Y- yeah, but it's sort of it's unless you are a, a specific fan of the show and like remember it fondly and remember distinct things of it very well, it's kind of a it's it's how do you approach it because right. it, it requires a certain level of homework well, so, in the sense so, that it, <laughs> yeah, so that's a good point. So let's just uh, just let's just I want to see how we both approach this. Give me your what's your thirty second like if you said. Hey, you should check out this TV show, Wishbone, or like listen. To, like, how would you explain what we're doing here, or what Wishbone is? Like, now that we've gotten this far, how would you tell someone? Here's what Wishbone is in 30 seconds. Um, well, the 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 show itself, or the show that we're doing, the show itself. Well, I mean, the show itself. It is a it is a live action show for children in 1999, so about 20 years ago that was both an sort of semi well it was an educational show that i think for us growing up in that time was a very i think oddly prominent show mm-hmm. yet yet not like it was on, it was on the fringe of cultural relevance in the sense that it was a very popular show i think among people that we know that are you know educated <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know, like culturally aware, I don't know. But I feel like at the same time, it's one of those things where it's still kind of not a lot of people know about it. Right. At the same time, because I think it was also competing with at the at the at that point in television sort of 
main uh, it was competing with a lot of different other Ghost shows Rider. and cable but also cable was like on the rise mm-hmm. and so you had so it was competing with nickelodeon cartoon network and cartoon network and all these other kind of shows so kids had a lot more stuff to watch absolutely um and almost kind of it created a i'm not saying like a class divide of kids who had cable versus kids who didn't or kids who you know were indulged in the more you know cable-like shows versus ones that had to watch pbs or were you know sort of stuck with that in that sense i feel like you know wishbone to me when it was one of the things i didn't think about until it popped in my head of like a show to do a review show on and then it kind of made sense as like a, oh my god this is like a great show to do mm-hmm. because it's rich not only with episodes storylines but also characters and um just weird unique things that are kind of distinct to that time period mm-hmm. and it's weird to think that like you know as growing up as we grow up and get older thinking like what was 20 years ago our childhood is now considered like weirdly niche in the past and not <laughs> something that's current it's like as you further get away from your childhood and and when you're in a childhood and you're you're growing up you think oh this is you know this is this is new this is relevant this is current and it's kind of interesting as we further get away from the 90s at least how much you're like oh yeah that's like another time it feels so old now in that way i mean i don't mean to go on a tangent about right. time and you know <laughs> yeah i mean that was that was definitely a very like succinct 30 second pitch on what wishbone is <laughs> it's more of a distinct three minute pitch about <laughs> that but no yeah but uh, yeah it's like the it's this kind of unique show that not a lot of that a lot of people and at the same time not a lot of people watched and that kind of was also reflecting of our guests yeah that we've had but so I think I think though as a journey, just like you and me going back through this show and reliving like this this thing that we experienced during our childhood, we've actually come a long way. Like if you go back and listen to the early episodes of this series, um, if you had us explain what the show was, it'd be it'd be a lot more clinical and technical and a little bit more out there. But like now, like we know these characters in this world so well, I feel like I could just be. I can go up to someone and be like, you know, you got to check out the show. It's about this small town in Texas. You know, a place that. For a long, it was a long thread on this series for a while where we just were trying to figure out where this show even took place. But now I can just say very clearly, it's a small town in Texas. It's about this close-knit community, a family of, of friends, a mother, a dog, and their adventures as they grow and learn from each other and their own stories. And PBS has cleverly crafted uh, great American and international novels intertwined within these stories to help teach us uh lessons as well as get children interested in the great literature and uh works available to them that they may also be reading in school yeah and i'm I'm reminded of the first episode we watched which was the two-part hour-long episode with mark twain and ellen talbot's speech at the end of that when she's speaking at the picnic the uh, thing she's she had to prepare her speech and her whole theme was how stories connect us all and that, you know, it doesn't matter. And what's great about and the show sort of reflects that in terms of, um, you know, the it, whether it's Tom Sawyer or, you know, what a, like what else have we done? Like Joan of Arc or Don Quixote or Cyrano de Bergerac or these sort of like more, more like what they say, foreign and or international right. other cultural things. A Nazi How, the spider. 
yeah, how actually they, you know, we can relate to them and we can see what, you know, they're not like, even though culturally they may be different, their stories, like we can, we can still resonate with them right. and how it connects us. And, and that's, I think, a great lesson for kids watching and learning how to read like about reading and learning to appreciate books and it's not about just reading things that like only necessarily appear appeal to you culturally but other things that are maybe outside of your box you know so you bring up ellen and i think i think a great way to approach this recap especially for people if this is your first time listening you know this would be a great way to jump in if you are are hesitant to have to start with a backlog so like let's just introduce everyone to the characters like as we know them now because um, Ellen, interestingly enough, is the, I'd say she's the most, um, superficial with who she is as a character. They're very, they're very blatant with who, with who she is. They didn't put a lot of, uh, hidden meaning behind her. There weren't a lot of things to uncover on rap about Ellen. We kind of learned who she was at the beginning and she's very consistently remained that person that we haven't had a lot of surprises from Ellen as much as we've had from say maybe Joe or the rest of his friends. Um, whereas Ellen has always been consistently, uh, the voice of reason and kindness in the series. Yeah, she is a, a very much a sort of, yeah, a character that you, yeah, you don't really, there's no twist to her. It's not like, you know, Dumbledore or Gandalf and these sort of, <laughs> you know, sort of right. head wizard sort of like leader folk, you know, in that way. Whereas like other characters, like we said, Joe, Sam and David, you know, we're learning, we're growing with them, you know, we're learning more about them, about who they are, who their insecurities are, what their dreams or hopes. And even like things like Wanda, like the kooky neighbor, we like learn more We've about. We've learned like, so a, much more about Wanda. Yeah. And then other people in the town and stuff. And But yeah, I would say Ellen is very much, she's the same as the beginning as currently now through the amount of episodes we've done. She hasn't necessarily changed. She's fairly, she's, she's always very been kind consistent. of an anchor. Yeah. She's. She's almost like the uh, the living conscience conscience of like the character. She is sort of their conscience, their moral outreach. Like a lot of times when people come to Ellen, it's because they have a problem. It's either something they feel guilty about or did or they need to confess or it's something that they are trying to approach. Like they have a problem and they want to try and find the best solution. And she usually she's sort of like a guide to the other characters. She's literally the librarian of the, the yeah. show, and or in, and in the in Oakdale, she's a librarian of yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's great because she is like the constant uh, person in this series, which Wishbone isn't. Wishbone is more of wild card, you know. Yeah. Like oh yeah, by the way, in my thirty second pitch, I didn't mention at all. There's a talking dog. Yeah, I I, I also <laughs> noticed that. I I also didn't mention the talking dog. Look at that. And that just shows how far we've come because early on, um, the first few episodes, like, especially, we didn't know a lot about any of these characters. So we I, I, we kind of had to, like, especially me, like, make up narratives for them because they there was so, so much piecemeal information. You know, every episode, maybe we got a glimpse into who these characters were, but there was so little up front uh, to learn about them that, like, we had to essentially come up with these stories and narratives of our own. But um, Wanda, for instance, isn't... Uh, a drug addicted uh you know lithium addict like i once thought she isn't a crazy cat lady she's just artistic she's she's clever she's sweet she has a huge kind heart maybe her motives sometimes are a little twisted as we saw uh she helped david cheat on a uh poem writing yeah i felt though in that in that episode though which i think was the cyrano episode um she just wanted to inspire him yeah not necessarily help him cheat 
I think she w- wanted to give him a poem to inspire him to, uh, you know, think of his own poem, and then he manipulated that. And that was an interesting episode. It was like there was no consequence for him, particularly in his relationship to Wanda, because as soon as basically it was found out that it wasn't his poem, it kind of quickly devolved into him basically just setting up the poetry teacher with Wanda. Right. You know, well, and then it was like, okay. I feel, I feel though, that um, the reason there was no consequence for David was that he owned up to his own, uh, like he, he admitted himself, you know, it was, it was on his own that he did that. And then he did write a heartfelt poem in the end. And I suppose if Wanda knew that or, or at least as the audience, we know that, that sort of is like what Wanda would want to come from it. So like, had she known like he had, stolen or cheated on her i can't remember of course whether or not she ever found that out but um no because this like basically she finds out that right the next time you see her it's like already when mr is at her door and it's like then she's like oh love struck which i think we never see a follow-up to that relationship (laughs) no we don't but we do we do continue to see mr pruitt so you know i i hope i hope um that there's something going on there, especially because, you know, her relationship with Wishbone, who I think we should really get to next early on, like she always there's there's a lot of anger with Wishbone. I mean, she built a uh, horrific sculpture of him is pretty much yeah. the only way I could describe it. Uh, but then we just find <laughs> out she was just as afraid of him as he was of her. Yeah, her sort of reaction to him a lot of times at first very much gave off the vibe that almost like she was allergic to him. <laughs> It was just like, get away from me. I don't want to be around you. You make me like kind of like I almost feel ill right? kind of thing. And that's kind of the way. And I think it was more of a fear. Maybe, you know, well, I don't think we'll ever get into it. But, you know, maybe she had some past trauma with the dog. Yeah, it, or something I like definitely that. Like, got that kind of a vibe out of it. Um, but it yeah. was really sweet to finally see them connect. And so speaking of which, you know, let's let's get to Wishbone. What are your thoughts at this point now on Wishbone? What do you, who do you feel he is as a character? Well, it, it is, I think, good that we started a little bit with Ellen, because I think he is sort of the opposite, whereas Ellen is the, you know, the same thing every time. Like, as far as she is the the, the rock and the sort of guide, mm-hmm. like, which one's sort of the malleable kind of whatever you need it to be, he will transform into. Right. Both in performance, voice you know personality it's like when he like him as a dog will always be the dog like him as oakdale stuff it's like he kind of has a very same beat it's like he's always either hungry that dog loves trying to figure food. out where you know he's like you know he basically always kind of wants dog based things and i'm glad they keep faithful to that behavior but you know as far as like going into the stories and finding you know that the sort of into the the books from the oakdale story it's he sort of, you know, bends to whatever is needed in that way. And so I kind of find like they're like, it's the show basically the crutches, you know, Wishbone on one end and Ellen on the other. And then the three kids are sort of the, the, the audience. Yeah. You know, like guy, like that, the audience surrogate that we follow into these stories. Yeah, Wishbone is often a catalyst to events as well um, that also drive those characters actions too but it's it is interesting because there are times where wishbone is like um the hero of the story in oakdale forget in the narratives yeah. that he experiences but he's the hero but then there's other times where he's just straight up mischievous he's like sneaking into wanda's house just for shits and giggles yeah well i think yeah there's there's definitely been a few dog related 
events where he's a central part of the plot and it's about you know him getting in trouble with neighbors oh, or with animal love. control yeah yeah you know going to the pound and there's other times like the last episode we did and we released was he is just like the whole episode is just hanging outside the school and it's not even about him and it's like all takes place inside the classroom mm-hmm. with joe sam and david and he's not and which one's not even in the plot at all so it's like that's what i'm saying he's sort of malleable in the sense that he is whatever the episode needs it to be it's like does he does the episode want to involve you know something in, about wishbone the dog getting into trouble and he's got to find a way to get out or do they just need him to connect the scenes between you know for joe sam and david and their stuff you know it's like that's just that and he just needs to be an observer in the group at a distance and then connect that to the book i feel like when uh so oftentimes when wishbone is as you say like the observer like when he is not within the story i feel like he actually represents the audience so like he represents the viewer like the children because for instance like when there's the spelling bee wishbone's there and he's sort of cheering him on but like he can't he can't really change anything just like when you're like the little kid and you're you're cheering david on like you're like waiting outside and you're like trying to get in but you know like you can't change anything that you're watching like it's a it's a show you know that but like you still feel it you want it so i feel like when yeah. he's not a direct character where it's not his storyline because he's being framed for something or he's in love with another dog he's trying to save someone when he is uh stepping aside he definitely is the perspective of the children of the audience that are actually like supposed to be watching the show i think it's true to agree but i still think that joe sam and david are the audience surrogates in terms of the emotional journey that the audience goes through like they're the ones that reflect what kids and or teenagers are going through sometimes on a day-to-day basis oh, like certain exactly. emotions and feelings that they they have to reflect in and so whereas wishbone like you can't really relate to him because he's a dog and he's a talking dog oh, right so he it's, and so what know, i'm saying is sort of when he's on the outside of that because the kids are relating to that experience of like being nervous standing in front of the class or not feeling like you're going to pass a test or worried about like the sporting event you have coming up wishbone is there like cheering him on and so he is actively within the episode representing while the kid is watching the show like the thing the kid like if you were the kid that was in that bad situation you you'd want someone to do so like that the dog is doing the thing for you because like if you're sitting there like cheering the show on and the dog is doing it too like you're like yes okay cool someone is there championing for this person who like i'm relating to definitely yeah and i think it worked i think that's why it was so great about the show because i think it, it it has these pieces to work with. And I think they figured out, you know, very early on in, in making this show, how to sort of move the, the chess pieces and fit these into episodes in a, in a creative way. And what's, I think what I love about the show, like going back and viewing it from a sort of past pers- or future perspective, looking back on the past, it is kind of, it rides that line of being a little too cheesy at times, mm-hmm. but not quite. It doesn't hit you over the head a little bit. It just it's it's a little cheesy, but which makes it funny. And these we have these like we've had notable funny moments of lines said a certain way or things happening that just come off really hilarious, even though maybe they're not hilarious actually in the episode. But it doesn't quite go like bad. It's not a bad TV. It's like it's pretty good TV. It's just you know it's for it made for a certain level and it's made for a certain group and that's why I think it works and I think it 
it works in the time capsule that it is you know now before before we jump into the narratives because i i want to talk about some of our favorite moments in some of the the book stories that we've seen i do just want to go over real quick the trio the uh three musketeers of joe sam and david because each one of them um really interesting stories like sam is sort of this uh tomboy but she's also really smart but she's not outright like a tomboy she's not like only hanging out with the guys she's seen we've seen she interact with girls and she has like you know girlfriends as well but um her yeah. parents are divorced so and she lives with her father whereas then alternatively you have joe who is like the lead of the story you know he's wishbones his dog he lives with ellen but joe early on we don't know where his father is we find out his dad passed away we don't really know yeah how so two different types of single parent households mm-hmm. it's like a very diverse and then yeah david on the flip side has you know a father and mother and a sister and they're loaded (laughs) supposedly but we haven't seen the rest of the house we've only seen david's bedroom yep okay well if david's if david's bedroom is any indication they're loaded unless they just pour all of their money into him that's true but yeah I i like i like they picked a nice diverse group and each of them have a sort of specific set of skills and or fears and or insecurities and these sort of things that reflected a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like you said, like David, you know, he's super smart. He seems to always invent something every episode and craft some sort of technology that <laughs> he's the, seems kind of ridiculous. He's the, dua, he's the duo's machina of the show, I feel like. At times, yeah. But he also is gets really nervous about sometimes very simple things or things that are more like artistic and or, you know, literature based. I I believe like, yeah, I think he feels like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders at times. Like I feel like he feels his expectations are very high of him partially probably because he does that to himself, but also maybe that's something his family has put upon him. Um, It's not something, you know, we've seen directly, but his family puts a lot of faith in him, which I think he sometimes maybe he bites off more than he can chew, but he typically prevails in the end. But that also gets him into these moments where he's like, oh, I have to be the standout performer. I can't mess up. I have to like win this. I have to be the one that runs this show. I have to be the one that solves this crime. Yeah, he's very much a do-it-yourselfer yeah. in that way. And then like Sam, I think she has a very like kind of sweet demeanor and is generally the, the most, I think the most reasonable She's of the, the three. She's the team player. She is you willing know? to like, if she... I think even if she thinks she might know how to do something, if she thinks anyone else might be better, like she is, yeah. she's the one to compromise and say like, you should take lead she, on this. She's very insecure about stepping out and taking charge. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sort of her sort of few episodes in which it's focused on her is very much about that is she's forced into stepping out into the spotlight and trying to take initiative and her insecurities with that. Yeah. She definitely like yeah. leads from behind, you know, she delegates yeah. responsibilities uh, to others which in a way is her own sense of leading, but it's not outright, you know, in the front. And that I think is a very progressive way of, you know, sort of addressing, you know, almost being a girl in Mm -hmm. modern times of like having to deal with sort of, you know, being pushed aside or being put, you know, having to take initiative and the insecurities of that, because sometimes you're around other personalities and boys that are naturally more assertive. Or at least we're trained to be, you know? Yeah, the expectations are different. Yeah, and so that it's that's a very I I like that you know sort of uh, 
the way they they portray that and and then with joe joe's just got a bowl cut and he's just sort of <laughs> yeah joe's a tough nut to crack because early on he's definitely like the first couple episodes i feel like they treat joe as the hero like the beginning of the series it seemed like it was a very joe wishbone central series but then obviously they veer into the other characters and then i feel like they dial him back and they give him more flaws and they have him make more mistakes but early on like he's championing things he's like we have to save this tree like we have to solve this guy who's digging in the woods like he was going and leading it he was like he's very tommy pickles at the beginning of the show and he's really dialed it back more as the show has gone on yeah it usually is kind of the first voice of something's wrong yeah kind of he kind of is the leading voice of almost liberal guilt and political correctness sometimes <laughs> like he can be like well that's not right like no what, what you know and yeah he kind of he's a little more not defined like whereas the other two i think tend to be more defined i think because of the way they're more sidekicks to joe and joe kind of has to be more of a character in terms of more he's they got to give him more stuff to more situations to deal with so they kind of don't really haven't quite pinned him down yeah, yet. Yeah, because but. it's weird. Like, he's also experienced failure, like, when he didn't beat um, the world record. Whether he, he was trying to get the uh, Encyclopedia of World Records, I believe was the uh, name of it. And uh, for yes. most three flows under 16 in under five minutes, it was 85. Yes. So uh, he, didn't, he, he didn't do it. He lost. No. But he still found uh, success within him, especially thanks to Wanda. Again, it was a very kind moment we saw from Wanda, which was untraditional at the time. That was uh, one of those first moments we saw that with her. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think he. it'll be interesting to see him going forward as far as what they, how they use him in situations and what other sort of, I think, problems he can run into that they mm -hmm. have to, like, sort of, that are relatable to... You know, a 12, 13, 14-year-old kid kind of... Which I believe, you know. I, I don't know if you agree with me, they've gotten better with those stories that they've gone on in Oakdale. Yeah, I think I think so, yeah. Like, the first couple stories, this weird guy who's just digging up something in the woods and it turns out it's like an old family hideout and then, like, these kids are taking on big business and then there's, like, this, like, dog that... Like, they were just... Very weird. Very extreme. Very yeah. extreme sort of examples of the stories they wanted to do. And now I think it's, at least in the last few, has settled into a more, um, not as extreme sort of these situations, but very much more real. Much more of a day-to-day, -day, something you have to deal with. So whether it be a classroom spelling bee or, um, uh, let me see, that. yeah, like, or uh, trying to win a free throw contest mm -hmm. you know or you know, or just like, like trying to you know uh invite someone over who's like you know this latchkey kid and giving him a sandwich which he inhales faster than anyone's ever eaten in their life yeah or yeah helping weird you know poor kid yeah it, it's interesting so favorite moment like do you have a favorite oakdale moment i mean because like we've this was see like i really i'm enjoying doing this recap because 
we've spent 12 episodes in a lot of ways like at times making fun of this series but ultimately like it comes from a place especially like the more episodes we've watched i'm really like growing to love this series like i have a new appreciation for it so i think it's good to remind ourselves like why we're here watching this but like again there are some crazy ridiculous yeah. things that have happened in this series so like we we can't just pretend like it's this is this brilliant show we gotta we gotta bring up there were it is a great show but I, like i said it is sort of all, and ridiculous at the same time and it's cheesy and it's got a bunch of other kind of elements to it that make it fun and funny to watch and sort of poke fun at and you know figure out like moments of you know observation that are don't make sense or are hilarious to us like um something that comes to mind for me i'll let you think on this so like something that comes to mind for me especially like if you're this is your first time listening to this maybe you remember wishbone you haven't watched before let me just give you an example of something that's happened in oakdale there was a arts and crafts fair it was, or, or like a, I believe that's the best way I would frame it, or maybe like a... It's the Historical Society Arts and Crafts Fair. Yes. But it was more of like a flea market kind of a venue, and there just happens yeah, there to was be... Yeah, there was a circus, and there was... Yeah, the guy in stilts. But there happens to be this gentleman there who is selling homemade VR called Wishomatics, <laughs> and he won't even give you a price. He's like such a snake oil salesman, and he like entices Joe into this. And he's weirdly, like, kind of, like, creepy, too. Like, he was trying, he wanted to buy his dog. It's just this absurd concept that this guy is just building VR systems at home. He's got this helmet on. And he's like, well, this is the last model. If you want it, you have to give me the dog for it. Like, he wouldn't name a price. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a very ridiculous sort of plot point that... Um, the relating story was Faust and a deal with the devil, and obviously they had to tie it into that. But it, yes, it was a, such a that was a odd, hell of a stretch. Yeah, it, it was a very <laughs> strange thing to watch. That um, I think for me, the one of the best. I think the best thing to mind, that's what's great to bring on a guest sometimes and self-discover when you watch it when you're watching the episode yourself and then it's not until you talk it out with some like a group of people do you find other things that you didn't notice or you everyone self-discovers i think the best moment we had of self-discovery was in the romeo and juliet episode when at the end if you haven't watched the episode it's basically wishbone falls in love with another dog at the pound and there's this whole thing with Sam trying to adopt that dog. And at the end, Sam comes to the oh, pound gosh. and the dog's gone. And she thinks like, oh, like it's been set up that dogs don't get that don't get adopted, get put down. And Sam's like, oh, what happened? And then the pound guy was like, oh, like, oh, Sam, I um, a family came by and <laughs> picked her up five minutes <laughs> ago. And then he's like, he's like, are you sure? And he's like, Yes, and it's just like the way. Not until we like we like watch that over again do we discover like it really seems like he just put that dog down and, and is lying. I to had her. completely forgotten. I didn't when you brought Romeo and Juliet. I was like, where is he going with this? And the second you mentioned that pound, I remembered where that was absurd. That was yeah. Ass. So yeah, it, it's fun to just figure out things. Like he didn't that believe himself you... when he said that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes yes i'm yes i'm sure <laughs> yeah so it, it, that that it's moments like that where it's the, those are the best because sometimes it's the stuff you don't foresee because when when i watch when i watch these episodes and jot down notes i think of jokes and i think of funny things but sometimes that's like almost too rehearsed mm -hmm. almost like you, you're thinking about it too ahead of time and then you try to throw those out there and they you don't know if they work or not but it's good to find that 
at in the moment discovering that what's funny about something. So I want to I want to just touch uh, briefly on the narratives because that is sort of the soul and the spice of the series. So I want to just like lightning round this and just quickly go through the episodes we've listened to so that like, again, this is your first time through. These are the highlights. If you want to go back and listen to them or any specific episodes, here's what you've got to look forward to. So we start out with... Uh, well, we start off with the episode of Tale and Twain, which is Mark, Mark Twain. So we start out with Tom Sawyer. And right at the beginning, this show lets you know it's PBS Kids show. You're going to watch people get murdered in almost every episode. Yeah. If, if, if a significant plot point of the book is someone gets murdered, they're going to do it. You know? Yeah, and that's and that's what that's what we see in part one of Tale and Twain. You know, the Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn witness a murder, and we witness it too. Yeah, and it's just kind of crazy. Like it's a little crazy that that actually took place. And then, okay, Twisted Tale. That's the second episode. Oliver Twist. Yep, that was good. I think um, that was the where Joe befriends the weird kid that eats a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and then we did Rosio Rosio, which is like I said, Romeo and Juliet. And uh, point point to be noted here: it is the first uh, dog on woman contact in the series. I believe it's the first, not the not the last, but the first kiss the dog receives while playing. That's right. And not the f- last time we see that actress. No, absolutely not. She <laughs> will make many returns to the series. Uh, Homer Sweet Homer, I think, is where, like, the narrative story started to go off the fucking rails. Because, for me, nothing was greater than the uh, bathtub green screen um, Poseidon. Oh, yeah. And that guy shows up a bunch, too, that actor. Um, that's And that, that was the start of the... Homer Sweet Homer was the start of... We basically recorded the first four episodes. Mm-hmm. At, like, sort of beforehand and then we released those and so, so we then we did an official release and we started releasing those and this one was kind of the first one after that yes like sort of after like our release and i feel this is kind of where we sort of started we it became the start of the journey for us at least absolutely because it's sort of like we're beyond the introduction we're we're, we're looking over the edge of the cliff now yeah whereas i feel like the first four episodes were us exp- i think exploring a little bit of how to do the show mm-hmm. In terms of structure, the way to talk about it, how to do these things. It's like each episode kind of is different. And also, it's different in time length and other sort of uh, elements as well. Um, but I feel like once we got to Homer Sweet Homer, did we sort of start nailing down the the sort of what we what I think we wanted the show to be in that way. All right. Now, moving on, lightning around, because I just want to I want to I want to nail I want to nail these these narratives just real quick. Give people a taste. Bark that bark. Leo Clem, our guest, we go over a Nancy the Spider, something I'd never heard of ever in my life. Uh, what, what is just a, a taste? What's a highlight? G- give, me, give me the flavor text for something people might hear or see if they watch this episode in the uh, narrative. Well, you, you get uh, African folktale. You get um, a dog dressed up in a spider outfit. Um, you get a nice little liberation of slavery tale. Um, interesting note when you and I went and saw Captain America Civil War recently uh-huh. and when Black Panther is talking to his father, he calls him Baba <gasps> and, and I immediately thought of 
Bark oh, that bark. Right. And Nanzi, because it's Baba and Wana. You're right. The father and son. I think he calls him Wana. I think the dad calls Black Panther wow. Wana. Wow. <laughs> I totally missed that. You know, and uh, like my favorite moment from that again, like you if you want to see Wishbone dressed as a spider turn into a Super Saiyan and fly away, you're gonna see that on this episode. <laughs> it's great. That that is a an interesting dive into a lot of interesting topics and territory. <laughs> so the next next week at Cyrano's, which was like, if you enjoy Romeo and Juliet, it's very like similar in a lot of the way things play out in that series. A lot more death again on this show. Yeah, that was an interesting episode because I felt like Cyrano is a, a actually a pretty good story. Mm-hmm. And one that we see a lot in modern literature and other forms and reused a lot in movies and and not to mention partially probably because we also both found out that day that it's also based on a true man yeah like there was a Cyrano um the next one is where I think it gets really weird and that's like that's a highlight of the series like wishbone period and that's the slobbery hound that's the Sherlock Holmes episode it's the one everyone remembers with wishbone with his cute little hat acting like a detective which most of the story wasn't that great because it was just him and a bunch of old English dudes in like a like a room with a bunch of bookshelves. Yeah, and that was the one that pushed the boundaries <laughs> yes, of it did. is Wishbone uh, like in the books is he a dog or a man? And oftentimes it'll be he's a man, but that was the first instance, instance where Watson is petting him in a certain way where he's like a dog and it's very confusing it's about very weird. What are the rules of Wishbone in this in this story? Especially because Wishbone was like, "Oh yeah, that's great," and like he's yeah. just like, "It was bizarre. It was bizarre." Especially because the story is about like demon hounds, and here's Wishbone as a dog being Sherlock Holmes. So when and a, a, a man shoots and kills a dog in that episode, <laughs> <laughs> that is a crazy episode. Do you think that in that episode? Because Watson's the one that shoots the dog and puts him down, and then later he's petting a dog. He's like going through some like weird oh, traumatic therapy, maybe. like getting, like he's working out his. I could see that his, his shock and trauma. <laughs> um, digging up the past, Anton Vandelay, uh, hell of an episode. First time our guest shows up without having watched the episode yet, so we or or knowing what to talk about. <laughs> so we start by watching the show together. Break. Come back. After having watched it continue on and uh that was that was based on rip van winkle which was actually a super weird and hilarious story there is nothing better to me than a bunch of old giant ghosts in a forest playing a game of nine pins and uh drinking cider sounds like a great time to me yeah and I, I felt those pins were a little thin though it was kind of a it was a weird game it was a very weird game it wasn't quite bowling i didn't i didn't quite like it but <laughs> Okay, well, how did you feel about Bone of Arc? Uh, that was actually a pretty solid episode, I think. I think we had a, a good guest to talk about it. And um, I loved the, I like the, I like the, the Oakdale one epi- section of it more. Because it was about, it was the Sam playing, going, joining the soccer team and taking on Title Nine and taking on the, but don't for- <laughs> the recreational sports league. But don't forget, we do watch Joan of Arc like again character gets burned alive on a pbs children's show yeah that's true <laughs> she, she more like glow she gets lit up by light but it's not like 
and they it's pan not away. like it's an implication like they let you know what's going on they just don't oh, yeah no and which one says he's like and they burned her at the stake uh impossible dream don quixote this is a good one i liked um another i think fairly like famous episode oh, yeah. from wishbone yeah a very famous narrative also like been recreated in many different forms uh as well it's been that that and they concept did some, did some cool almost stylistic things like the the duel that they don quixote has with the knight mm-hmm. at the end like that was actually shot pretty well and it sort of it i felt like the production quality was a step up like up to, you know than what we've seen before yeah they uh you know they didn't cut any corners they they didn't hold back on that one you might say um <laughs> i don't know there there was a weird costume choice if you want to see someone walking around with like a giant pan on his head for a hat <laughs> and a terrible haircut and uh don quixote fall in love with just this like weird bar wench yeah it was, if you want to watch john hurt walk around and <laughs> be weird uh and then we got two left we got a uh, flea bitten bargain that's what Lexi yeah, Newman. That, that was, was the crap. That there. was the the Wishomatic episode that we Faust. were discussing. Faust. How do you feel about Faust? What was your? What do you think the best part of all of Faust was? That was probably you would you would say that's the most. This would have been the most traumatic and scary of the imagery as far as like, if I was a child watching that episode, I'd be the most freaked out. Because you're kind of dealing with the devil literally, right. and how a woman in that episode is tortured and killed in a dungeon <laughs> and you see her die on screen. I just, I just liked that Faust reminded me like a little bit of like, I don't know, a character Sinbad would have played in the nineties. Like I almost thought he was going to like break out into song at one point. The actor that plays Faust could have been less. I, I don't know actually if he could have been less threatening. He was not Le- less threatening, yeah, except for his hit and uh, the, the um. I think he came off as a little work. threatening. The sound work was. Great. I think when he was screaming on fire. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that was pretty intimidating. And uh, we got a deal. Sniffing the gauntlet. Saxons versus Normans. Normans and Saxons. Yeah, um, interesting. Like sort of to discover this book, or you know, sort of relearn this this sort of story and. You know, it's set in the world of Robin Hood, but without Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. At least this is this version that we saw. Ivanhoe. And yeah, yeah, to kind of to get something different, you know. But it's a, it's the same but different, mm-hmm. you know. And that one, I feel like later we're gonna get. I think, and at some point, we are gonna return to Robin Hood. Probably, but yeah, I don't think, I think we're gonna get as pivotal and incredible of a moment as Wishbone uh, backflip kicking another knight in the face and dropping them like they were some shitty old school books <laughs> yeah because he has enough force and power to do meanwhile that, that guy had like a mace yeah it was awesome it was <laughs> awesome if you want to see a small jack russell terrier fling itself six feet in the air and backflip kick someone in the face and take him out you should watch this episode because it is and, but worth right before it. that oh holding a swinable mace in his mouth <laughs> also and trying to talk great. during it and then but immediately drops it to then try to fight oh and uh, one of the best scenes from the intro is from this where he used the bow and arrow like yeah, this is a two fake pause great episode highly recommend that one yeah. 
But if you if you haven't watched them, now you at least have an idea of where we're at and where we're going because we have a lot more great episodes to go. We have 38 left because there's 50 episodes, I believe, in this series. Yeah, we have it's 50 episodes and a feature film. Right. So we'll be doing these every 10. You know, we started this this one we did late because we didn't really think about this earlier. But, you know, we had we had some people who were suggesting like, hey, want to catch up because they want to listen to the show, but they didn't have the time to go back and listen. So that way, at least you jump in because some things, you know, like we said, we've learned a lot more about these characters that they've gone on. So now, you know, a little bit about them. So when you jump in and you want to if you want to watch along or just listen along, you can. Um, but I don't know. I, I think. This is a, a great place for us to now move on into the next chapter of this series. Yeah. And I do recommend as, you know, if you have the time, you know, and you're listening to this and you do want to like watch episodes, but I do recommend watching Absolutely. the episodes of Wishbone. And obviously it's not necessarily easy. It is easy because actually these episodes are online. Yeah, you can find them on YouTube. And I think what I also, I think we should start doing and, I think it would definitely help is at the end of each episode, we should say what the next, you know, I think we do yeah. that. No, kind we do, of, but we don't. Yep. And okay, on the website, yeah. it links it. We have uh, the next one. Yep, it tells you what the next episode is and the date because we, you know, part of the reason we have these two weeks out is it gives people time. It gives us time to get guests as well and to watch the shows. But that way, you know, it's a 22 minute show typically yeah. so it gives you 20 you know you find 22 minutes every two weeks watch the episode i think you'll get a lot more enjoyment of what we're talking about um yeah watch it. and i think and i think yeah it's one of those things where you know for this type of show it's instead of like our other shows that we do or that and you do too it's like we are those shows are trying to tap into something that is already existing right as far as currently out there right now and you're capturing it and you're talking about it this one i think is we're going after something and then everybody else has to tap into it mm-hmm. for like with us in that way. So it isn't like we are trying to necessarily appeal to a broad audience. We are trying to appeal to people, but not, we're not trying to necessarily capture it. We're trying to, this is the show what it is. Right. But, and we're going to do what we want to do. And I think if you watch along with us though, you're going to come along on like a journey with us because I have an appreciation for the show and the characters and the stories about these characters that I didn't expect to have at least at this point already. And I've learned to love the show so much more than I did even from the day that we started it, which I just had all these nostalgic feelings about it. And now I have an appreciation for this series that as an adult, I wouldn't have had as a child. So I think rewatching it has been great. And I really look forward to it, even even when we're sitting here and making jokes about how insane some of these characters are. Um, Definitely. You know, it's it really comes from a place of love for the show, which uh, having the opportunity to rewatch all these episodes is what cultivates that. Because, uh, like, I just want to do this for me now. Like, I love watching the show now. It's awesome. Yep. It's great. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, yeah. So, I think that'll wrap it yeah. up here for this review episode. I think you should give people a taste of uh, the idea of, because we've already recorded the next episode as well. Uh, let yeah. people know I what mean, to expect. <laughs> yeah. So, the next episode will be out. It'll We're doing The Hunchback in Notre Dame. Our guest is a four-year-old girl <laughs> named Amelia, and she was good. She was great. She was great. She was great. She's a, a woman of a few words, very succinct, very succinct. I feel like for, for you and I, neither of us have children. No. And for us to not only bring this type of guest on and or, but it's like kind of us interacting with a ch- child, who, which we normally don't. 
and it was a very other than when you have to talk experience. to me but yeah but it was a very unique experience i think it is something different Absolutely. i think that that's, I, I was the kind of the goal a lot of times with these episodes is trying to do something different every time mm-hmm. or at least try to for the most part without venturing too far outside the box but it's good to every now and then do something a little crazy yeah and that's what I, I feel like it's not the episode isn't going to be like the ones we've done before where we had a free-flowing conversation it was like you and i could talk and our third guest would either smile at us or say cat or you know <laughs> say you know kind of do something weird or look at her dad or, or ask for candy eat, ask for candy <laughs> you know it's so so it is a um hopefully you know listeners will enjoy it but uh, i think it's a lot yeah. of fun I think it's a lot of fun um, because what what little she does say, I think people are going to have a lot of enjoyment out of. um, She does say some observant things. Plus, especially like (laughs) I have to say, like the Hunchback of Notre Dame episode, uh, there wasn't a lot of, you know, there there were a lot of things to talk about. But um, I think this was the best episode to have like this kind of guest on for. Yeah, because it it was very simple. There wasn't a lot happening in the Oakdale. It was very boom 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 and the hunchback one is what it is <laughs> um, i mean we made her watch the disney version of we, the, sh- of the we story we forced her to do it and she hated it so um <laughs> yeah we we def- will definitely she's a critic and we'll have that on it's gonna we'll show that. it's gonna be great i think people will really enjoy it once they hear it yeah so uh yeah so that's so here's to 12 episodes and here's to many more um yeah and we'll uh please join us next time on uh wishboning and we'll see you next next time bark bark